to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick, and I'm here with... Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're discussing Miyazaki's 2001 film, Spirited Away, perhaps his best known and most celebrated film. The film follows 10-year-old Chihiro, who while moving to a new neighborhood, accidentally enters the spirit world. After her parents are turned into pigs by the witch Yubaba, Tahiro takes a job working in Yubaba's bathhouse to find a way to free herself and her parents and eventually return to the human world. This movie won the Best Animated Feature at the 2003 Oscars. It's still the highest grossing film of all time in Japan. It's 27 in the IMDb Top 250, so movie, movie buffs have voted it as the 27th best film of all time. It was voted as the fourth best film of the 20th 21st century by the BBC in 2016, and the New York Times named it the best, second best film of the 21st century so far in 2017. So, Trevor, I know you're at least somewhat aware of this film's renown, uh, and as I was watching it, I was getting a little bit nervous that it wouldn't really live up to your expectations. Uh, on top of years of hype, you also don't have the benefit of watching it as sort of a young teenager like I did. And you also don't have the benefit of watching it as a new release in 2001 or 2002, like the critics did at the time, being able to observe animation and images unlike any other committed to the screen at the time. So was I right to be nervous or did you love this movie? You're smart to be a little bit nervous. Um, <laughs> I think that this is definitely, you You hit the nail on the head right there. This movie is the most overhyped film of the entire Studio Ghibli. And overhyped tends to have like a negative context context to it, but I don't think necessarily that means that it's negative. It's just definitely one that anytime somebody says Studio Ghibli, it's like, oh my God, have you seen Spirited Away? Have you seen Spirited Away? And it's just this film that I don't think I can go like a couple of months without somebody mentioning this film or it appearing yeah. on some best of list or something like that. And so I definitely had the bar was set super, super, super high for me for this film. Um, but I ultimately thought it was effective and I don't think that it was unwarranted. Uh, I'm still not, not bought in entirely that it's like one of the best animated films ever. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. But it's good. What, what do you think stopped you from completely falling for it? Apart I don't from know. Being I guess a horrible human being. Go ahead. <laughs> I guess I, I expected more, I guess, I guess when you just overhype something so much, I was expecting this like, incredibly either either this grand grand epic or this incredibly moving story where and i don't i think that i got a little bit of both of those things i didn't get i didn't it, it wasn't as grand as the bar was set so high for me so I, I mean it's definitely it's obviously this hero's journey of this little girl she's stressed out of innocence she has to grapple with not being a kid anymore, not being an adolescent, essentially having to do very, very adult things while you're still being a kid. And I love stories like that. Um, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that unique to me. It was just another hero's journey. Um, but it's definitely effective and definitely good. And then in terms of like this grand epic, like it's, it, it, it has some of those qualities. Like it's kind of uh, like Alice in Wonderland or mm. the wizard of Oz, like, has some of these grand epic qualities to it, especially along the journey along the way and coming across you know, so many different types of characters and 
um, things like that. But it's just not as grand as I guess the bar was set, set for me. So I don't know. It never reached its potential of what mm. I, of, of how much it had been overhyped for me. I guess it, unless you completely sort of bought into this movie and this world, there's no way you wouldn't feel a little bit, not underwhelmed, but that maybe that, you know, unless you loved it, then you were going to feel a little bit let down because it is such a well-loved movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it could be either of the, the two things that I mentioned before, you know, you, you're watching it as sort of like, an adult who has watched a lot of movies and this isn't necessarily the target audience for. And you're also not seeing it at a time where like maybe the animation is sort of the crispest thing you've seen, you mm-hmm. know, on top of other, other, and, and then the hype as well. So, I mean, it could be a combination of all those three things plus generally what you like to watch in movies. I mean, as, as totally. the reason why reason we're doing this is because you've never really been drawn to animations is why you've never watched any of these films before. So you already have a lot of barriers um, to loving this as much as say I did. Um, Correct. Going into this movie, and you know, I hope you got something out of it. It's oh yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't really. I couldn't tell you precisely why I loved this movie so much. It was. It. It was the first. It was the first Ghibli that I saw. Really? We watched it, yeah, we watched it in um, English class. Oh, yeah, reason. I remember you saying that. Yeah, it was like our anime module, which I I, I love that. Um, in like year nine, I think. And I, I even missed the first day of class. I came in and the movie was like a third of the way through. I think she was just, <laughs> it was like her in the lift with the radish spirit. It was around that time. And like come into the movie at that point. It's just like, what the fuck is this thing happening? And I just, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. It's like, this is the most amazing thing. Um, and it just sort of, just sort of like one weird thing after another, like, like rewatching it again, like with my friend um, yesterday, it's just, I'm like, children enjoy this. Cause this is like the weirdest thing. Like there are so many weird and amazing creatures. And I think children do like that. They, they like seeing fun, weird things that don't necessarily make sense. Um, they're sort of like, Oh, that's a fun, weird thing. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a bizarre movie in so many ways. Like the characters, it's like what they're just, some of them are like frog people. What? And like, well, <laughs> they eat people. Do they? Like, you know, <laughs> well, but, I mean, yeah. I get- I guess that's kind of why I thought of like, I think the kids do love this because it has so much imagination to it. Like um, that's why I mentioned like uh, Alice in Wonderland, the wizard of Oz, another movie that completely this, this hit the same nerve for me was the labyrinth. Have you ever seen the labyrinth? No, but I know what you mean. Oh, with David Bowie and uh, O'Connell. What's her name? Sorry. Jennifer Connelly. Oh, Jennifer O'Connelly. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Connelly. Gosh. Um, you need to see that movie. That movie, like this was very similar to that, but that movie is like soup was made in the eighties and it's kind of like very dark. Hmm. And it's, it's about this girl that's uh, older than um, Chihiro sure. was, but she, her, her uh, brother gets stolen by this like goblin King and she has to like go and get her brother back. So it's very like, she has this mission. She needs to do something uh, because you know, her innocence has been taken away from her. Anywho, you should definitely see that. So, but it, 
it, it reminded me of that. And it reminded me of like, what the F? Like I wasn't, I guess I'd already been prepped for this world, this kind of spirit world that they're in, um, that she's kind of like stepped over this, this like veil into the spirit world and she doesn't know how to get back. Um, she was spirited away. That's what that means. Oh my God. I thought it was metaphorical. Um, no. Yeah. So you, you liked it, but it wasn't quite too much, hype. Too too much, much hype. hype for me. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, that's just is what it is, but I think that this will be one of those ones that probably s- sits with me. I'd be, I mean, I'm excited to like talk about it during the retrospective. I mean, we just did the one for the nineties, but um, like Totoro, it popped up a full point for me. And that mm. was another one that was very overhyped for me. Yeah. And so when I saw it, I gave it initially an eight, but in retrospective, I gave it a nine. And so it's popped up a whole point in terms of that rate, that obscure rating skill that we have. Mm. Um, so I'd be interested. Like I want to see, I want this movie to kind of sit with me for a while. Yeah. And I want to remove my, my expectations that I put upon it as I was first watching mm. it. I wish you had like a 10 year old nephew or niece or something to watch it with. I think they would love it. Um, So, I mean, like when we discuss these movies, I like, like for my thoughts, just to get my thoughts down, like I usually break them up into uh, storytelling visuals and um, characters. Mm -hmm. Why don't we, let's go through those things. And I guess I can discuss some of the things that I think I, I I could really um, love about it. And then, you can sort of give your own yeah. thoughts on them. Um, for storytelling, like the note I wrote down was like the specificity and inscrutability of the world, by which I mean the universe that she enters. And you're very right. It's very um, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. Um, that, that was probably one of the um, sort of main sort of references. But the world that she goes into, it feels very lived in. And we understand that it has all of these rules but we don't really know what they are. Like neither does Shahiro. We're sort of, we're sort of with her and like all these sort of random things are happening. And some of it we learn as Shahiro learns it. And some of it, we just sort of, mostly we just sort of experience the things happening. So like in the first 10 minutes, like she starts going invisible. Um, then she sees Haku and Haku does some sort of random like spell to like try to protect her. Then he gives her like a little ball to keep her from going invisible. Then he like does a spell to like unbind her legs and like all of these little random things happening. And like at no point do we really understand like why these things are happening. I guess you yeah. can't be in this world, but we don't need to know. It's just like all these sort of the creation of this sort of world with all these rules. And we're kind of like lost in it, but in like a fun way, we're just sort of like experiencing this world as it happens without the need for someone to like sit down with her and say, Hey, explain it. What happens? And for a movie, for a fantasy, which has a lot of things happening and a lot of world building and like a very sort of involved plot with all of these different characters. And like they have, you know, twin sisters and blah, blah, blah. There's very little exposition. I find like there are, there are a couple scenes where like we learn sort of like the bare minimum of what we need to know about this world. But for the most part, it's, sort of this fully functioning spirited spirited spirit world. And we like, we learn enough so that we're not really we're super confused the whole time. But for the most part, it's just sort of like, 
a lot of things that happen sort of feel quite random and insane and magical. And I think that's, that's one of the things I love about the storytelling of it. It, it, it doesn't spoon feed you anything, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we're not lost. Yeah, exactly. It, it uses its visuals to tell the story and to sort of to give you a sense of the world. You know, we know that it's there's all these magics in from the very beginning, and like there's all these you know cures for the magics, and there's spells, and there's anti spells, and there's rules. You know, she can't she has to hold her breath as she walks across the bridge. Why doesn't matter. Like doesn't it's matter. like it's like a it's like a random thing, but it it sort of adds so much texture by just. Having all of these things happen so quickly, um, but without the need to slow down and mm-hmm. um, get lost in all that, we're just sort of focused on how lost she is, and we sort of we are along with her for the ride. Like another reason that it doesn't tell us everything is so we can understand her fear and her pain at being separated from her parents. Obviously, for the first time in her life, she's like ten years old, and having to grow by sort of she has to kind of learn the rules of the world mm-hmm. and. She never really gets a full grasp on it, but she she feels more confident as sort of she goes along, and then so do we by virtue of that. So that's that's one of the things that I really like about it. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I I mean I think that that's a good thing to point out because I think that that's something that aids in building the epicness of it. Because that reminds me, it's like I, I feel like that's a very appropriate or uh, common element to use or common eh, yeah i'll go with element to use in these kind of epic fantasy films where like you said you you pull us in the film you you immediately thrust us into the rules but i don't need the rules exactly sat in front of me i don't need the rule book i don't need to know every rule um to understand or have fun with this and i think that 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 them doing that is a very is a perfect way for us to align with chihiro and be and see this film through her eyes and immediately tells us like who we're supposed to relate to because just like you said she's figuring out the rules we're figuring out the rules we're figuring out the rules with her through her actions which i think it reminds me of something like like star wars like you have someone like luke skywalker who's thrust into this world which he's always lived in but then he gets thrust into this idea of like jedis and there's this whole there's this whole power of the force. And there's a lot of rules that go around that. They don't tip it, they don't sit us down and explain us to us every single rule. I mean, some of the sequels kind of get on a beaten path of like trying to explain what, what yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, it's not I don't need that. Like again, yeah. we've we've said this a million times throughout this podcast, but show me, don't tell me. Some of the beauty and some of the mystery and some of like the allure of these fantasy films and is not knowing what. And it's just like believing in it and going with it. So um, this film definitely feels very similar to other amazing uh, fantastical films that, or books that I have read and seen throughout my life. So, yeah. Yeah, you're very right in the sense that Chihiro's sort of, her understanding of the world is through the various, like, the visuals and the actions that are taking place. Like she connects with Haku immediately. I mean, obviously he is like trying to save her, but mm-hmm. it's, he doesn't sit down and talk to her and say, Hey, I'm a good guy. I'm going to look after you. He's like, take this ball. Like I've unbound your legs, job. go through the thing, go ask for a job. Like all of these really quick things. And at no point do they have any, they have no time to bond really. 
but she feels bound to him because of he understands the world and she's, she can see that he's doing things um, that make sense for her. So, yeah, it, 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 it's very much something where it's, the story is sort of being told visually and through action. Um, yeah, I mean, and yeah. I feel like as with most of – and like I, I was saying this when we are talking about the retrospective, as with most of these movies, there there is a lot of like – the plots are usually like a little bit messy. Like they do, like I say, that sometimes they can go from A to B to C to, to B mm-hmm. to D to, and like this movie still has a little bit of that, but just because of how like fun and imaginative, imaginative all those different beats are, um, it doesn't stop me. It doesn't distract me from loving the movie. And at every, any given point, we still, there's enough of a through line to understand that Shihiro wants to, help her family and get home. Yes, she gets distracted because she wants to help Haku as well, but we always know sort of what her end goal is. And the movie takes enough time to sort of establish those sort of very base rules of the world, like in the sense that she wants to stay alive long enough to work out how to save her family and get home. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives the whole story. But there's all these like tangents throughout the movie, oh, but yeah. there's enough of that that we're not, it's not like in, in, in sometimes like in, in Nausicaa or Mononoke and I was just sort of getting like, where are they going now? You know, like, mm-hmm. we, like I, I enjoyed, I just, I was able to more go along with a ride on this one. I think you're able to go along with that ride more so than those other ones, because this is, although those other films were also quote unquote epic, they focused on too many different characters. So you were never like focused on one character. So in Nausicaa, there's three different groups. Princess Mononoke has three different groups, multiple characters. I'm like supposed to try to like understand and like feel the beats of each of those characters. And this one, that's not that way. This is a, this is one girl and we're focused and I'm okay to like go off these beaten paths because I'm always with her. You know what I mean? And I'm always, and I'm I'm also like in these fantasy films, I can you thrust me in the world of a fantasy world and you you thrust me into a whole new set of rules. I'm okay with those rules as long as you don't break your own rules. And this film never breaks its own rules. Like it goes through it, it introduces new rules, but it doesn't break those. And so it still feels it feels like I'm not being jerked around even yeah. with the plot or anything like that. So um, well speaking of um, characters, you're talking about follow, like following this one character. Let's let's get to the characters um, within it. The, the main, the one main point that I have with this, although we will talk about Jahiro, obviously, is that again, like similar to a lot of um, Ghibli and Miyazaki in particular's films, there's not really like Yubaba is the villain, but all characters sort of have different shades to them. I think, mm-hmm. like when, like our perspectives on these characters shift quite a few times throughout the movie. Like when we meet Kamaji, we're not like the, the worker in the boiler room with yeah, like the slave worker, basically um, <laughs> we're sort of told that he's like a mean guy. You know, he, he might not give you a job. You have to just keep fighting him. But then he's like, you know, one of the nicest guys. And then when we meet Lynn, she's like, she wants to throw, you know, she wants the hero to get in trouble. And, you know, at some, you know, at a certain point, we're not sure whether, she's for Chihiro or against her, but then, you know, she becomes friends with her. 
Um, with Haku, he starts off as like a nice character, but then at some points he stops talking to her and we're not sure where his allegiances lie. We don't really know his story. And then with Yubaba and Zaniba for a certain time, we're not really sure who's the good one and who's the bad one. Because when mm-hmm. Zaniba comes in, she's like threatening violence and doing all of these sort of nasty things, spells and things like that. And we don't really know. It's like, oh, is she, are they both just evil? And then we find out that she's like quite a nice character. Even Yubaba, she's like the most evil character, obviously, but you can see her affection for her child as well. And she's sort of her big baby. Yeah, her her baby. Um, which again, why? Who knows? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and I, just, I think it's so fun, like just like a slight side note. It feels like it's based on like a dense novel, right? Like you, yeah. you don't really see these sort of worlds being developed. Like, like there's so much more from, so many from an original script. You know, it's, it's yeah. like it's, it definitely feels like it's based on like a novel that has you know that's that has the time to create giant babies and like three heads bouncing around on each other like but it's not it's a completely original story um obviously it's you know uh, it draws from things like you know yeah. Alice in Wonderland probably things like Labyrinth as well um yeah anyway sign up um but yeah the characters you know not that like like Lynn is like an ambiguous character you know we we come to to like her but I guess similar to the way the storytelling creates a world with sort of inscrutable rules, the characters are also, you're never really, you're not quite sure, you know, where their allegiances are or like in any given moment, whether they're going to be good or evil. And I think that also keeps you on your toes and it also pulls you into that kind of like, you know, into Chihiro's mindset of, you know, at any point she could be killed or, you know, she might fail and, you know, her just wanting to get back to some sort of normalcy in sort of this crazy world. And I think that handled really well by the way he sort of develops and presents those different characters, you know, and he presents them through the opinions of other people as well. So sometimes, you know, you know, we think Zaniba is bad because we see her from sort of Haku's lens um, as someone who was stolen from her. And then we see her and um, she's just like a grandmother. What were your thoughts on, on the character? In the movie. Yeah, yeah, no. They, I felt like the the characters helped helped us really hone in on Chihiro and like really relate to her because it's kind of very. I mean, obviously, she's on this journey. She's a she's a kid. She doesn't know anyone, but it's like it's not knowing anyone and not knowing who to trust that helps us. And we kind of align up with that quickly too because we're like, what? Like, I don't, I don't really trust you. Um, everyone kind of seems very self motivated. But then as we go along, like, I agree, there are moments where you, you figure out that not everyone's as selfish as, like, you initially thought that maybe they were. But it was, I think that it was a good learning lesson because it teaches her about, like, her parents. Her parents are incredibly um, not thoughtful of other people. They just, like, walk into this room and just start eating all this food and they're just, like, throwing down money. Like, whatever, I have, ca- I have a credit card, I have cash. Like, it doesn't matter, even though maybe that food's not for you. And I think it's just adds into this. I feel like you see a lot of those same character elements throughout a lot of different characters. And it's a good learning experience for Chihiro. Hmm. What did you think of Chihiro and how she was presented? I think that she was, she could easily be, I think that people could easily see her as being annoying. Um, But I wasn't annoyed by her. I was, I don't know. That's a good mm. question. I don't know. Like I wasn't, 
wasn't super like she's not one of my favorite Studio Ghibli characters. That's for sure. Like mm-hmm. she's definitely one of the more. I just I'm not. I'm very neutral in her. I'm just like a gray. I don't feel very strongly about her. I don't feel very uh, in a negative or positive way. She just is kind of there for me. You would take a, a Kiki or Nausicaa over her. I would. Mm-hmm. I would take a Nausicaa over her. Yeah, but I, I mean, but I also think that this this one's kind of more grounded. It's funny. I think the reason why I don't feel strongly for her is that this film is grounded very much so in reality. It's kind of like a my neighbor Totoro. I don't really like love those two characters, those two girls that much either. But I but I like I love their journey. And so for this one, this film is very much grounded in reality, even though it's mm-hmm. in the spirit world. Like they fall into the spirit world, then they leave it, and she's still going on to have this life with her parents. Yeah, and so. I mean, you can, it's just like my neighbor, Totoro. you can make the argument that none of that ever happened. I think that they give you some elements to, to, to strongly help you think that it, it did happen, but you could make the argument that it didn't. And it was just this girl and her parents and she got lost a little bit away from her parents yeah. and imagined everything. Anywho, I'm going to, my point is, is I think that that's probably the reason why it's because then we end with her and she's just another, you know, young 12 13 year old girl or even younger how about yeah. you? you no i agree it's yeah she's she's painted again like she yeah she's painted to be just a normal i, I think it says 10 year old girls in all the descriptions that i've read it's not explained in the movie i don't think um which yeah she is quite she's annoying and whiny but in a realistic way so in a way that yeah. doesn't bother me it's like if if i was a ten, me as a 10 year old would have been exactly the same. I'd be like, mom, can we just not go? Don't leave me. Like the way she's like, when they're leaving her at the beginning and she's like, she's like, I'm not going to go. But then of course she's going to go. She just wants, she's uh-huh. just saying that to get them to not go. And then she's like, sort of like stomping on the spot. Like, no, what do I do? And then she's so like, like it's very, it's very realistic. And I appreciate that she wasn't like, she wasn't like a, you know, a Nausicaa who's just like completely competent and like, you know, well, behaved and things like that she's like an annoying you know she's like a young girl who's probably always gotten what she wanted like you've seen her parents like you know the dad would have just paid for everything for her and the mum would have been like nice but probably like wine in one hand like not caring that much (laughs) Um, i agree yeah so i again like i don't i don't love spending as time with her as much as say like kiki who i think we spend a little bit more time on her character because there's not as much crazy random shit going on in that movie. It's more, that's more directly about her state of mind, but here her state of mind is filtered through these sort of trials that she has to go through, which, you know, you know, you you can't sort of connect with her as much on a, on that kind of emotional level. But, you know, once you get to the end, you can see how she's grown through her actions rather than through, you know, self-reflection and things like that. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I, I like her, but yeah, she's, you know, she's a 10 year old girl in a bad situation. Of course, she's going to be a little <laughs> bit like annoying. What, okay. Let, let, let's move to the visual section. What did you think of this movie visually compared to what we had seen before? Do you think it's next uh, level? Um, ooh, that's like a fun little ditty. Is it next level? I think it's next level because I noticed it was a little bit different. And then I went and did a little bit of research and they pulled in some like, computer animation aspects to this film. And so 
those are the moments where I was like, oh, this seems like this looks a little different and a little weird. But regardless, even without that, I mean, that stuff looks fine. I still think that the most effective animation comes into like the typical animation style that I've seen throughout these films. This movie was absolutely gorgeous. Like, and I mean, not that any of these films that we've seen haven't been like particularly gorgeous. Maybe, maybe not my neighbor, Yapitas, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but the, no, particularly gorgeous. Like, they're especially some of the shots they have with the water. Like, I, I mean, I, I know, can I go into my favorite sequence or my favorite no, shot? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to. My favorite shot, like, has to be when she's going to get on the train or the trolley or whatever. And she's just walking along the train tracks when Lynn gets her to that certain point in that makeshift little boat mm-hmm. and she gets on the train tracks and that clear, clear water with the fish swimming by and her just like walking along it. And then those particular shots where it's kind of on the horizon and it's just, it looks like heaven. It looks like a different world. Um, and I just love like, I love the image of the train coming along and just like pushing the water and the fact that you'd have a train that's kind of so much on the water. Mm. I, just, I love, love, love that shot. And I mean, I guess that sequence too. Um, but no, and it kind of, I mean, I'm thinking about it now. It kind of reminds me of a little bit of like the castle in the sky. Cause a lot of this the bathhouse is like lifted up and it's like, water below so it kind of almost feels like it's a castle in the sky especially the moments mm-hmm. where um chihiro's looking out the window and she sees haku kind of flying by yeah i definitely think it's like as sort of smooth and crisp as it had been up to that point it it, it feels like from mononoke which was already sort of i think next level for miyazaki it still feels like it's taken like even more like even more to the next level Mm-hmm. just the design of all of the characters and there are so many just like weird random characters in the side like all the effort that's sort of been put into that and our sense of like, I mean it's hard to sort of wrap your hand, head around the idea of building this world and allowing us to sort of get a sense of the space between sort of different elements of the world like what the bathhouse looks like the relationship between the bathhouse and the place where they came before, like where the mm-hmm. train tracks are. And I feel like we get a sense, we, we understand visually watching this movie, the visual space that this sort of, this town sort of inhabits. We, we you know, we understand there's sort of like a street element. Then there's, it, it ends with this bathhouse and it's sort of on a cliff and sometimes there's grass down there and sometimes there's train <laughs> tracks and sometimes it's covered in water I think the visuals do a really good job of capturing this world so we have a very good sense of it um, as well as just being sort of very beautifully directed um, and there's sort of a lot of very interestingly um, done scenes. You, you, you mentioned um, the point I sort of want to make. It's something that I think he started like doing a little bit of in um, Mononoke with the sort of com- computer animation you know, mm-hmm. there were a couple of scenes in that when, especially when, like, San is charging towards Lady Eboshi where it's sort of that sort of, like, push in, which is feels a little bit too smooth, something that you couldn't right. really do in, um, in sort of hand-drawn animation. Um, and it seems to be done during moments of sort of, to represent sort of a sense of movement and sort of 
it, it, it's, it's used to sort of capture like when you sort of some sort of pan usually from either across a landscape or um, a push in towards something, towards a character or towards an item or something. Or when they're running. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, it, 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 some form of movement that can't sort of be captured by animation. And it feels sort of – there's always sort of like an otherworldly element to it. Like it's it's sort of capturing the magical element of the world she's in. It's sort of like a little bit too smooth and otherworldly and a little bit weird. And I think it's 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 not used – it's not overused um, – and it definitely doesn't feel like, you know, like a 3D movie. It, it still feels like a hand-drawn yeah. movie with just like a little bit of use of the computer animation. I think it's it's used sparingly enough that it's very effective. It's like, you know, whenever you watch sort of almost like you watch like a David Fincher movie and you know how his, his camera just sort of feels like it's not really sitting on anything, like it's just sort of like moving omnisciently sort of. And like it feels like a little bit like that. Obviously for slightly different reasons, but in this one to create that sort of otherworldly kind of magic vibe um, that you sort of, that sort of slightly too smooth and too polished sense of movement through something. I think it's, it's used very well. Um, And that's sort of something that sort of differentiates this from the films that have come before. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's such a gorgeous movie. Um, and you could just, you know, even, you know, you could just mute it and watch all the oh, amazing yeah. designs and the amazing sort of setup of all the action sequences. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's so well done. And I think even, it feels a little bit, even things like the the sound design, which I don't normally pay much attention to in these movies, like the scene where um, they're filling the bath for the stink spirit. Mm-hmm there's quite a few moments of silence where after like, there's a lot of like, I mean, there's a lot of score in this movie and it's usually, it can be quite bombastic at times, you know, especially like when they're pulling out, when they're sort of like pulling that thing out of the, the river, the river. And like, there's like lots of music and everyone's like cheering them on. And then it sort of pulls out. And then we sort of feel like a rush of water and she falls in and there's nothing else. And then there's silence and then he sort of like just rises from the pool or whatever it is, the, the spa. And then he sort of flies off with just I like a little that. sound effect. Yeah, me too. And it's, it's like everything feels very sort of thought out. Um, and the sound design is very interestingly done in that one. So yeah, I just think everything feels sort of slightly elevated um, in terms of, the design of, you know, visually and the sound design and the editing and everything and the animation. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. What was your favorite shutter sequence? Ooh, so many. Um, I mean, (laughs) shots could be like, just like any shot in it. Right. I mean, the like the one that I keep coming back to it's again, and it's not one that means anything at all. It's not important at all, but it's, it's one of those sort of, computer assisted ones where she's running through the flowers and the flowers are just sort of like passing around her. Like this is usually when she's going to the pig pen to see her family and just this beautiful shot of the colorful flowers sort of, um, sort of, she's sort of floating through them almost. 
And this was, yeah, it's just a stunning show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. Yeah, you should. Um, uh, and I think there was, a, I think other shots that just sort of show off the beauty of the lands of like the world that he's created. There's like one, I think it's at the big, oh, I don't know if it's at the beginning or at the end anymore. She's, she just, no, it's at the beginning when she's trying to um, get to Kamaji, I think. Or when she's running away from No Face, I don't know, either or. It's just like a room full of giant, like, frozen fishes, which are of oh, fish, <laughs> which are obviously being used for, like, to cook for the guests and things like that. And it's just, it shows, like, how small she is amongst these giant sort of, like, frozen fish or, you know, thawing fish in, like, the meat room. It's, like, <laughs> it's just, like, a great setup. Shot, and I think it's just I don't think the camera moves or anything. I think she just sort of runs, or maybe it moves a little, but she's just sort of running through the scene. And it's like sort of like one room after another of the amazing, fantastical elements. And it just sort of shows the, the scale and the sort of otherworldliness of, of this world that she's in. That's probably my favorite shot. What's your favorite sequence before we get to mine? <laughs> I it's really hard for me. I, I mean, I always do this, but like. I did the train sequence or the trolley sequence, or I loved when Yubaba like pulled her into her room and like watching mm. her, like, like I loved that shot. That was just like a really, really fun shot. Um, it looked so, so cool. Yeah. And it reminded me of like uh, Casper. Like, <laughs> did you ever see that movie? Just, like, With Christina Ricci? Going through the house, like getting on that like train car and going throughout the whole entire house, like mm. her being pulled through the hallways and, Anywho, yeah, I loved that sequence. How about you? Yeah, it's it's the it's a sequence where she gets on the train for me. And Ugh, so again, beautiful. it's it doesn't need to be in the movie. Like she could have hopped on the train, gotten off, and gone to see Zaniba. Mm-hmm. But it's like two or three minutes, and again, it, it like introduces completely new elements of the world we've never seen before, like those black yeah. human like shadow creatures. Um, all of these are, yeah, exactly. And like, they're just going past all these other platforms, these houses that have just sort of have nothing next to them. They've sort of been flooded um, with like, just sort of like a little pathway that sort of heads over, heads into nothing. And, you know, the, the stations that, you know, are in the middle of nowhere. And then at some point there are just sort of like these random, like neon signs that look like advertisements kind of. <laughs> and like, it's just, and the music is, is my favorite um, piece of music in a Ghibli film. I listen to it all the time. It's called The Sixth Station. Um, it's un, almost, it's very melancholy, that scene. And I don't know why it, it didn't necessarily make sense for her to be melancholy in that moment. She's just like on a train to go and like, like maybe she's wondering about Haku's well-being, but it's just like the music is like so sad and she seems so alone even though she's on like a fun journey to like try to like break a spell you know it could have been like a job it could have been like it could have played in many in a completely different way in sort of a slightly more exciting um way but she just seems even though she has no face and her two little companions she seems sort of like so alone in that moment it's like so quiet in this completely foreign i mean it's a completely foreign landscape but she's also on a train something that i assume she's sort of done before like it's something very mundane but also completely fantastical in this context 
and I can't really explain why it's just, I just think it's so beautifully done. And just those beautiful shots of the train passing these, you know, little islands of nothing. It just feels like a very lonely, melancholy scene in the middle of like sort of a fun adventure movie. And I just, I love it. And I don't know why, but did you say the train was also one of your favorites? Oh yeah. Entirely. I just, it's too beautiful. Like, like I said, the fish, fish passing by, like the idea that a train would be kind of submerged, these random platforms, like it just seems so ethereal. I love it. Yeah. Like the film has like so many interesting concepts that it just sort of throws in and it somehow, again, and they don't really necessarily match, but it somehow all works together. Yep. Yeah. And I think my second favorite scene is probably the, um, yeah, the stink, um, mm. demon scene. Mm. I think that's just sort of really, it's like its own like mini film in one, like it could have been a short, you know, like rescuing the stink, you know, it, it kind of just oh, existed yeah. in the same world. Um, you know, and if you removed it, the movie would kind of make sense as well. Shall we get to our ratings of the Let's movie? Okay, let's talk. Let's start with our Miyazaki criteria. So five different criteria out of two points, and eventually we'll end up with a score out of ten based on how much of a Miyazaki film we think this is. So strong or complex female characters? What did you give it? Uh, zero. No, I'm just kidding. I give it a two. <laughs> I give it a two. I think that we have not only do we have uh, Chihiro, I think she's incredibly. I don't strong isn't the word I'd go for, but complex is definitely her. Like she's taking care of herself while also trying to save her parents. Then you have Yubaba and Zaniba, like these twin sisters who are both witches and uh, Yubaba runs this entire bathhouse. Uh, you have Lynn who's convinced she works there as well. Uh, yeah. I think very, very strong, complex female characters. Yeah. And very different characters as well. Like very they're not, they all, represent different sorts of people uh yeah no i think two absolutely environmental concerns what did you give this i would give it a that's hard for me i'd give it a one i'd give it a one um i think i had some commentary on it but it wasn't as ham-fisted as some of the other films that we've seen um that had they were maybe more like plot focused on environmental concern but Mm -hmm. like for example the stink demon like them pulling all that trash out of like him and it's like he's been stuck with this trash forever and it's made and turned him into this disgusting stink demon. And he's just this nice little old spirit that ends up giving her that weird sludge ball thing. That makes you vomit. Yeah. Yeah. And she decides to eat. How yummy. Um, yeah. I would say environmental concerns for that. Yeah. I, I also gave it one just for that sequence, really. That's the only time it's yeah. really comes up. But it's... And I, I just love how, like, it's never really, like, we understand that he's a river spirit and that all this stuff sort of got thrown into him, but it's not explicitly discussed at all. Like, it gets pulled out and that's the end of it and he's gone. But, like, there's mm-hmm. a whole sort of story told in that moment without any real attention being drawn to it. It's just, like, a couple of shots of sludge coming out and that's kind of it. So I, I do love that element of it. And, yeah, I'm giving it a one. What about flying machines and flight? Um, I gave it a one. It's used like like Haku like flies around and uh, Zaniba and Zabalo like they fly around and they get around that way. But I don't think that to me it was just like a mode of transportation, like getting from one place to the next. I didn't think that it was um, anything that the film was too concerned on to like 
like it needed this. Like it just was, it was used to get from point A to point B. Uh, yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, it, it, there aren't any sort of flying contraptions or like old timey auto gyros or something. Um, it, but there are enough sort of flying scenes, especially towards the end with um, Haku, that allow me to give this a one. What about the power of love? Oh, I gave it a two. I mean, the whole film is about her trying to, she loves her parents and she's trying to get her parents back. Um, but then a lot of the motivation that some of the people have, like, I don't know, I guess you could kind of argue that Zubalo is like, loves her baby so much. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think Chihiro's got enough love to carry that entire theme throughout the entire film. And she, like, she shows genuine care for like others and things and not just mm-hmm. herself. And so, yeah, too. Yeah, true for me as well. I mean, it is explicitly said that, you know, the power of love is what has what broke the spell on Haku's thing. So even even without the parents, like it's it's explicitly discussed. So that's that that's a two for me. I mean, again, I don't really care about her relationship with Haku. Like, I don't even know what that is really. But um, it, you know, it's it's there enough. For, for me to go along with it without his character, without the movie ever losing focus on sort of her story. Like it's very much as you were saying before, like she's the main character and everyone else is side characters. So there's, he does enough to um, sort of earn her um, love, but it's not really, she's not too sad to never see him again. Like there's a moment of like wanting to turn around, but she understands that that's sort yeah. of, that, that part of her life is done. Agreed. Uh, and the last criteria, um, the focus on water Boats, islands, rivers, etc. I get it at two, hmm. mostly because he's like, he's like the river spirit. She, he helped her when she was younger. Um, our favorite sequence, mm-hmm. water, his obsession with that, and the fact that she can't get away from this place because of the water. Like, I give it a two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think this movie and Mononoke, sort of back to back, so to speak. Um, were the reasons that I chose this one. Because in both of those movies, there's a lot of sort of, even just like shots of like looking down and seeing things within the water and like little islands in the water and all those things. And I think those shots are so beautiful that it makes me like love those parts of these movies and how he deals with water. And even in Nausicaa, there was like the lake and everything like that. So I, that's kind of where I was going with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then there are the sort of, Kiki and Porco ones, which are sort of set in sort of oceanside towns and their boats and whatnot. Just me, me again, justifying. That <laughs> um, so I think I gave it an eight out of 10. I did as well. Cool. I think we were, yeah, we had the exact same ones. What do you think so, I gave this movie overall? Mm, I think it'll be a seven, five or eight. Good job. I gave it an eight. Hmm. What do you think I gave it? I think you gave it uh, an 8.5. No, I gave it a 9.5. This is my favorite. This is, this oh, is the one. This is the one. This yeah. is the one. Okay, well, then I got that one wrong. Yeah, you, you're, <laughs> you're way off your game. You're usually good at this. <laughs> I am usually good at that. Well, oh, well, I'm happy enough with your 8. That probably, you know, puts it about fifth, it top 5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I imagine this is going to be one. Even Even after, like, talking about it more with you, like, this will be one that grows on me and I already know it will be. I just think yeah. that that initial gut reaction of like that bar was set so high girl. Yeah. Yeah. So then you gave it a 16 out of 20 and I gave it a 17 and a half out of 20. Ooh. Yes. 
Um, again, but that score means absolutely nothing. <laughs> so connections. I have I have a few points. I, I think like there's a few you can sort of relate sort of because this movie sort of has a bunch of a lot of different things in it. Um, like what were the connections you've made? Well, I guess just sort of discussion points. She is a similar age to a character like Kiki. Like she's maybe a little bit younger. Um, so I wouldn't say there's like an evolution of that character, but I can definitely see connections of this sort of young adult trying to sort of figure out her place in the world. Um, and like, you know, even like a little bit similar to Shizuki, I suppose, um, from Whisper of the Heart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and obviously they're both dealing with sort of magical elements and sort of um, you know, they're sort of, they have a slightly different arc, but both of them sort of end up in a place as we would expect in a movie like this, where they're sort of stronger and more confident with their place in the world. Cause obviously as we just, dis- we discussed with Mononoke, it kind of like upped the ante in terms of the violence and blood and gore. I think, I mean, this movie is not like, it's, it's definitely a lot. It's definitely PG, but like you said before, it's not afraid to have like the blood splatter from like the dragon. There's a lot of like oozing, stinky, slimy stuff. Oh, like, yeah, I like, like, yeah, like the, the, that sort of like stink monster, which ended up being like the river spirit, just like the, as it sort of put his foot down, all the oozing stuff. It, it looks sort of, it sort of reminded me of like the characters in some of the characters in Mononoke, like the boar monster with all like the gross stuff around it and like some of the other more violent, grotesque. Um, it reminded um, me of that too. Like mm-hmm. the drippingness and the oozingness and like, like, yeah. Or even just like, going up and down the stairs, like just leaving yeah. bits of it behind. And I was like, Whoa. but it reminded me of like the boar when it came busting through that forest and everything like that. Um, yeah. And like, yeah. and I kind of mentioned earlier, like this idea that like evil takes over and that you've been like infected by evil. Mm. And so he became a stink demon because this, this thorn in his side, which was all the trash they put in the river made him into a demon, just like in princess Mononoke, they're tearing apart the forest and they're making, um, these animals into demons and so they're they're overtaken by anger and any yeah so yeah absolutely yeah it, so you can definitely see like how it sort of it didn't sort of completely fall back onto like a more my neighbor totoro style of um action and violence it, it feels a little bit more real um and like the the stakes are a little bit higher in this the only other point i made was that it ha- i mean this was the first sort of Miyazaki movie. Oh no, I guess Mononoke. But like his movie started very either nondescript fantastical or a little bit European in their settings, like, you know, medieval European and then sort of like European seaside. His movies sort of get more and more Japanese, I feel. Like Mononoke felt like maybe it could have been like, you know, medieval Japan or something. I mean, there's nothing to sort of signify that, but there's, there's a little bit of that element. And I think Spirited Away it's definitely set in sort of a Japanese context. Um, and like, I felt like all those different sort of magical creatures at the bathhouse, some of it remind me a little bit of Pompoko and that kind of folklore, all of these weird sort of elements involved and some of the weird creatures are like, Oh, that creature is sort of similar to something that we saw in like the, the, the specter operation specter scene. Yeah, yeah. So I felt like there was a connection a little bit there with that sort of Japanese folklore weirdness of that movie. Did you see any of that? Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, like, like you said, it's, it very much so feels very Japanese. Like it's a bathhouse. Like 
Although there are some of those in America, they're not they're not the same. You go to They are not the same, and so it felt very definitely very um, Eastern with that depiction. And then also the, I mean, you already said it, but the spe- the Operation Spectre was very much so. I thought of that too while we were watching this, like hmm. just every new character that was coming in, and they all seem to have like. Most of them, not all, actually, just like also like the no face man, like the, this spirit, this idea that it had like a spirit in it, and yeah, we didn't talk that. about no face. It's such a weird, it's such a weird character, and he, he's a, he's a scary character. Like he's he's creepy. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, like he's creepy, but also like I don't know. He doesn't actually kill anyone. He just eats them and like takes some of their elements, and then he spits them back up. But weren't you shocked the first time he like ate? The characters were like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. damn, this is next level now. <laughs> it was funny. But again, he's a character, I didn't mention him before, he's one of those characters who at no point do we really understand what they're going to do next. I mean, he starts, he's like a weird outsider who's, he's doing the things he's doing to try to impress um, Chihiro because Chihiro let him in. It's and like, he, and- yeah, he sees that all the people are, are really liking gold. So he like manufactures gold you know, he wants to give, he sees people liking food, so he gives her food. Like, he's not a bad character, but he, he takes that to the next level. And then, obviously, he sort of redeems himself. But, again, his, so, moans, his moans make me feel so uncomfortable. Uh, uh, Ugh, like, I hated it. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like this little girl, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that character. And, like, what he represents for this movie, just that, that kind of weird, ambiguous magic um but 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 like with very human emotions and needs as well so yeah just another crazy thing did you see any other connections you wanted to discuss um nope the biggest one you you, which was your first one that you said was the the kind of like the kiki and her but the biggest difference to me is that kiki can kiki can't leave her world and so that's where it kind of feels a little bit different it's like um, Chihiro can leave. She leaves her world, so she, she leaves it behind, and that's kind of what I was going along with in the beginning. Was um, Spirited Away feels like it's more founded in reality. Like there's a more realistic element. Like don't get me wrong, it's completely fantastical, but it's like that she fell into this world, hmm. but she's still very much in in the same world that you and I live in. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Cool. Well, on that note. Why don't we leave it there and I will talk to you next time when we discuss 2002's The Cat Returns. See ya. Hey, everyone. Just before you go, if you have any feedback or comments on today's episode or any previous episode, feel free to send us an email at ghiblyjabber at gmail.com and we might discuss it in an upcoming episode. See ya.